Hey, this is Michael Scobie. We're so honored that you're tuned into our podcast today. Whether you're part of our Vibrant Church family in person or online, I want to encourage you to connect with us on social media. Just search Vibrant HTX on all social media markets. You can also go to VibrantHTX.com to hear about things going on, connect with a life group, or even get to know some of our pastoral team. We pray this message inspires you, challenges you, and helps you make your next step in following Jesus. Let's jump into the message. I love it. We have been praying. Um, Yesterday during our focus time of prayer, we prayed for everybody in the line of this hurricane. And actually, one of our other overseers, uh, Pastor Chad Decody, he pastors Life Church right in the middle of Homa, Louisiana. And they are in the crosshairs of this thing. They're going to get the direct hit. And I actually spoke with Pastor Chad yesterday. His family evacuated, uh, but he's a crazy Cajun, so he stayed, and he's at his house right now. And uh, he said, well, I got a second story. I, I got a second story. I, I'll be good. And um, he said, I'm a big fella. I'll float. And I was like, Bubba, come on. Chill out. <laughs> Easy. I, I, we just, we're praying for everybody in the middle of this and, and praying that the Lord would protect, uh, that there would be no loss of life. We can replace uh, physical damage, but there would be no loss of life. And I pray that some way somebody would be led to the Lord because of this and uh, that God would get glory. And so uh, NOLA Church, Life Church watching online, we're so thankful uh, that you guys are with us. We love you very, very much, and we can't wait to eat Tex-Mex with you after church. Amen. <clears throat> so they came in town. We're going to treat them good. Come on, somebody. And uh, amen. Um, so we are in week five of a series called Under Construction. Um, and, and so as you know, we are about to walk into a construction season of our church. And uh, we're walking by faith, not by sight a little bit, uh, because it won't be much to look at for a moment. <laughs> but uh, the whole idea of this, this sermon series is this, is that when we surrender our lives to Jesus and we allow the Holy Spirit to work inside of us and work on us, we end up seeing fruit that grows from us, right? And so the premise of this series is really based in one, one uh, statement here. It's, it's the, pro- the process reveals the promise. Say that with me. Say the process reveals the promise. The promise. And so it's this process of being under construction when we lean into the Holy Spirit and it reveals this promise of the fruit of the Spirit, right? We're able to diagnose our own spiritual health by looking for these fruit. And so Pastor Sean delivered an incredible word last week, didn't he? He's behind the pole over there, but uh, incredible word on goodness and faithfulness. Come on, can you give it up for him? Incredible word last week. But today we're gonna put a bow on this series by preaching the last two fruits of the Spirit, gentleness and self-control. And so, uh, as you know, many of you know, my father, he was in the Air Force and he had the tremendous honor and, uh, of serving on Air Force One when President Reagan uh, was in office back, way back in the day. And I, I really do believe that it was his greatest dream for me always to be a pilot. He wanted me to be a, a pilot. And, uh, you know, it was one of those things where it was not, it was unsaid, but he's like, hey, you know, airplane's cool. Like, <laughs> it was unsaid, uh, but he always wanted me a pilot. Obviously, I didn't go that route yet. Uh, I might go to flight school one day, who knows? Uh, but, uh, you know, when you fly commercial and you're flying and there's this pilot and he comes over the, the intercom and he's like, Pah. flight attendants, please take your seat. Pah. 
It's about to get a little bumpy. There might be a little turbulence. You know what I'm saying? Anybody been on a flight right there? And right there, you get the white knuckles. You know what I'm talking about? Like right there, just pull out the bag, right? Just, just get ready. It's coming. Today, let me be your personal pastoral pilot. It might get a little bumpy today. Is that all right? It might get a little bumpy today, but I promise that I've got a word for you that you'll be better because of it. But I need you to go on a journey with me. Will you go on a journey? You're going to go on a journey. Let's start out in Galatians chapter 5, verse 16 through 25. This is where we've been the entire series, okay? Uh, and so we're going to read through this again and, and, and just kind of remind you of this premise. In, in verse 16, it says, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh, for these are opposed to each other. Why? To keep you from doing the things you want to do. Two points I want to make here. Number one, you're in a war. You're in a battle. You're battling against your flesh, and you have a, you have a choice. Lean into the flesh or lean into the Spirit. You are in a war. You are in a battle. These are against each other. Your flesh and your spirit are against each other. And why? Why is that? To keep you from doing the things that you want to do. You know, the Bible says that eternity is set in the heart of man. God put it inside of you that you want to draw closer to God. He put it inside of that you want to be closer to the Lord. You want to be. Eternity is set in the heart of you. But if you lean into the flesh... It keeps you from doing that. When you let the flesh win, it keeps you from the spirit winning in your life. There cannot be two winners. One of the greatest things I despise about you sports right now is that everybody is a winner, right? That is not how spirituality works. Your flesh cannot win and the spirit win at the same time. There are no simultaneous winners. So I just want to be very clear there. Verse 18, but if you are led by the spirit, you're not under the law. But now the works of the flesh are evident, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, uh, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the things like these. I warn you, as I've warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit, if so, if we let the flesh win, those are the things that we start to see. These are the fruit that we start to see. Drunkenness, orgies, jealousy, fits of anger, all of these things. But if we lean into the Spirit and we let the Spirit win and we begin to allow ourselves to be under construction by the Lord, these are the things that we start to see. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against these things, there is no law. But check this out. And those who belong to Christ Jesus, the ones that win the spiritual war, have crucified the flesh with its passions and its desires. Not only do you have to win the war today, but you win the war tomorrow by crucifying your flesh of its desires and its own passions. But if you let the flesh win on Monday, but you came to church on Sunday, church does you no good on Monday. Come on, somebody, right? You've got to win the war on Monday. But if we live by the Spirit... Let us keep in step with the Spirit. Today, we're going to close out this series talking about gentleness and self-control. You know, the, the one thing I want you to get here is that the gospel is the way to enter the kingdom, but also a way to live as part of the kingdom. You know, I think many times in church, the point I want you to get here is that many times in church, 
we feel like the gospel is information and we take in the information, but we miss out on the transformation, right? The gospel is not just information for your mind, but it's transformation for your soul. If you have too much of one without the other, you get out of, you get out of whack here, okay? Have you ever tried to ride a bike with one leg? Ever tried to teach a kid to ride a bike? They always wanna pedal heavy with their dominant leg. Well, eventually that one leg is going to get tired. It's so much like that in the church is that so many times, many people get information in their lives and you get so baptized in information. I want Bible studies, I want devotions, I want every book I can read, but you miss out on the transformation side and you can't figure out why there's no fulfillment in your spiritual walk. But then you have other people that live out so much in the transformation side. God, I wanna speak in tongues every day. I want all the transformation, but you have no information to balance you out and you're pedaling a bike one-legged and you can't figure out why there's no spiritual fulfillment. It's important for us as the church that we have information and transformation for us to truly live out a vibrant life in Jesus. We've got to live both of these out. So I wanna help you in that. I wanna give you a little information, but also a little transformation today. Let's dive in. What is gentleness? What is gentleness? Gentleness is, it's humility. It's unselfishness. It's might restrained. I like to say it this way, it is a strong hand with a soft touch. Strong hand with a soft touch. It's also translated as meekness, but gentleness is not hidden anger, desire for revenge, harsh, unrelenting sense of entitlement, self-absorbed. Gentleness is not weakness or inferiority. It is not that. It is gentleness is not weakness, but it is meekness. Colossians 3 and 12, since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must clothe, your, clothe yourselves with tenderhearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. You know, we preached about so many of those words in, in, in the last month, and many of them are very close in nature, but the one that really sticks out to me in that verse is mercy. It's that, that's the one that really sticks out to me, having mercy. Church, let me challenge you. At every table that we sit at, it's our responsibility to bring mercy along with us. It's our responsibility to bring mercy along with us to the table. Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 through 29, then Jesus said, come to me all who are weary and carry heavy burdens and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart and you will find rest for your souls. Here's what I want you to get here is that there is rest next to gentleness. Many times in your life, you're not having rest because the fruit of gentleness is not being lived out. That fruit is not active. Oh, we love to preach about the fruit of patience. We love to preach about the fruit of love. Y'all got that in, on a board in your kitchen, but we don't like to preach about the, uh, about the fruit of gentleness because it's not as popular. But I will tell you there that there is rest abides in gentleness. Jesus said so himself, rest abides in gentleness. Let's talk about gentleness on display. What does it look like? How do I live this out? Gentleness is displayed in three areas. Number one, in my attitude. And my attitude, church, I gotta tell you is that your attitude matters more than your aptitude. Yeah. 
Your attitude matters more than your aptitude. You can be the most talented person, the most gifted person in the world, but if you are mean, it does not matter. It will not get you anywhere. Gentleness and mercy will open more doors than your natural ability, and they will keep those doors open. When I personally, when I look for leaders to build and invest in, I'm not looking for talent. You know, our executive team are incredibly talented people, but the reason I brought them in to our executive team is not because of their talent, it's because of their heart. It's because of their attitude, and that that matters most to me. I feel like many talents in life can be developed and taught. There are many things that I can teach. I taught piano lessons for 10 plus years. I, I can teach you how to play the piano, but I can't teach you to have a worshipful heart while you play the piano, right? It's all about your attitude. Someone with a poor attitude cannot be taught. Give me somebody with an attitude of loving people and taking on the burdens of people, what Jesus talked about, taking on the burdens of people. See, it's humility over ability, Humility over ability. You know, John Maxwell said, your attitude is a prophet of your future. And I thoroughly believe that. I think you can have a great attitude, an attitude of gentleness, and, and, and you can go farther than you would if you were a spiritual porcupine. Come on, somebody. I think you can go farther when you have an attitude of gentleness. Number two, so the first one was attitude, but the second one is in my behavior. I wanna ask you a challenging question and you answer it individually to yourself. How quick are you to forgive other people? How quick? Let me ask you a follow-up question that might be more challenging. How quick are you to forgive yourself? We are typically way more quick to forgive ourselves than we are anybody outside of our own sphere or our own home. I wanna challenge you, church, today in your behavior and gentleness. Be quick to forgive and quick not only to forgive, but be quick to make sure that they know that you forgive them. You know, I've seen way too many times that we live a life of forgiveness, but then we don't communicate that forgiveness to anybody else. And so it creates an animosity or a bitterness that people could live with for years because you don't communicate the forgiveness that you chose to live out. Communicating that forgiveness is almost as, more, almost as important as you deciding to forgive them. Communicating that forgiveness, just it creates a healing. It creates a healing. I would challenge you today. Are you gentle in your connection with people? Are you like a bull in a china closet? Well, Pastor Michael, that's just how I am. That's my personality and they gotta deal with it. No, honey, that's not how it works. That's not how it works. Gentleness naturally exudes from you when you lean into your spirit. But when you lean into how you are, you will always get what you always got. Come on. The third one is in my conversation. You see, gentleness lived out in your conversation. Proverbs 15 and 1. A gentle answer deflects anger. It's a shield. Deflects anger. But harsh words make tempers flare. You husbands know what I'm talking about today, right? You can be having a conversation with your wife and you can say something that is 100% correct. But if you say it in the wrong tone, it becomes the wrong thing and it will ruin a moment or lots of moments in your life. Amen? Praise God. Just preaching to my husbands today. Uh, But on the other side of that is if you go to your wife in a gentle tone, 
and you have a conversation and you communicate clearly, it can create a lot of good moments in your life. Come on, somebody. Okay? I mean, <laughs> praise God. A lot of pregnant people in this church. Amen. I just, it can bless your life. But what's the difference? It's gentleness. It's gentleness, right? For me, I, you know, I, I struggle to when I get home, my wife wants me to take my shoes off at the door. But sometimes I come back from the gym and I forget, right? Well, it'd be really easy for her to go, Michael, take your dumb shoes off at the door. I just cleaned the floors. Well, nobody feel good about that, right? I'll be like, well, I'll wear them all the way. I'll wear them in the carpet. Nobody feels good about that, right? But if she comes to me and says, babe, I just cleaned the floors. Will you please take your shoes off? I feel it's gentleness, it, right? It creates peace. Gentleness creates rest. But angst creates, it, it creates some tension in your life, right? Kids nowadays are just different. Than us, than me as a millennial. Am I a millennial? I don't know anymore what I am. Help me identify that. Um, but <clears throat> give me whatever I'm supposed to be, just whatever it is, let me know. Text it in, put it in the comments. I don't know. But see, when I was growing up, when my dad would call my name, he'd be like, Michael, I need you. Come here. Well, if I would have replied with like, what? I'm busy. Excuse me? I wouldn't have had a mouth to what with or a body to been busy with. You know what I'm saying? Like it'd have been, it'd have been all like Donkey Kong. Your boy would have been in trouble, right? There's gen, there's peace and gentleness. There's rest and gentleness. Here's the thing. I want you to remember this. These are the things that we're leaning into the Holy Spirit to sprout in our lives. It's the promise of fruit, but it's a very intentional decision to not let your emotions or your flesh to take control, but rather let the Spirit control, even when even when somebody's disrespectful to you, even when you deserve to be able to clap back at them, even when you deserve to get back at them, choosing gentleness, not weakness, but meekness, choosing it. The right choice is not always the one that just happens. The right choice, the fruit of gentleness, isn't something that comes naturally, but it's the work of the Spirit inside of us, right? It's something that sprouts, but it's, this decision is made ahead of time before the heat of the moment occurs. It, you choose that. It's a choice by us that offers grace because of the great grace that God gave us. Amen? You'll feel this budge of gentleness, and it will feel odd because that's not normal, but it should be. It should be. Uh, that choice, uh, we have this, you know, the moral landscape of our culture is changing ever so quickly, and, and we have an opportunity more now than ever than to look, to look different than the world, to act different than the world, to respond different than the world. And, and the whole purpose of this is to point people to the cross. It's to point people to Jesus. And, and so that choice of gentleness is countercultural. It's countercultural because this world does not respond with gentleness. This world responds with angst. This world responds with revenge. It responds with anger. It responds with bitterness. It responds with unforgiveness. But if we respond with gentleness, we are once again putting our feet, drawing a line in the sand and saying, this is where I'm different. I'm counterculture because God didn't call me to a spirit of compromise. He called me to be countercultural to what the world has said is okay. So I choose to live by the word of God, not the word of man. When I walk in the spirit and I live the way God instructs me to live, I live a life full of joy and abundance and full of peace. 
Now let's transition. I'm gonna kind of open the funnel up a little bit uh, here. We're talking about uh, gentleness, but I'm gonna open up. These, these two subjects are so closely related, self-control. Uh, I'm gonna open the funnel up and let's talk about self-control a little bit. If there is something that needs to be identified in every single one of us today, it is self-control, amen? It is self-control. Our country in the, the great U.S. of A. is is number one in a lot of things across the board, uh, but self-control is not one of them. It is, it is not one of them. Um, you know, growing up, uh, my, dad, my dad was a very competitive person, and, and, you know, he didn't share that trait with me. I'm not very competitive at all. Um, let that settle in just a Speaking in faith, okay? Uh, but I'm not, you know, my dad, we walked in, you know, in Shreveport, there was this place, uh, a pizza place, and it was called Mr. Gaddy's Pizza. Have y'all, anybody ever been to Mr. Gaddy's? All right, my Louisiana people, I'm pre, they may run the aisles, Lord Jesus. Ushers, get ready, I just, no. But there was this place called Mr. Gaddy's Pizza, and my daddy would take me there, and it's like, it's like the heaven of pizza. It's just like you go in there, and it's an all-you-can-eat buffet, and they got TVs with games everywhere, and then you got pinball machines and all the things. It's like kid heaven. I, it's just amazing. And so when I was 13 years old, my dad would take me to uh, take me to Mr. Gaddy's. And I'll remember, we went to Mr. Gaddy's in Shreveport, and my dad said, uh, hey, because he's competitive, he said, I'm going to challenge you to a pizza-eating contest. And because I'm not competitive at all, I said, no, dad, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to do No, I was all in. I was like, yes, I'm all in. I will beat you. I I've been preparing for this all my life. Like, <laughs> this is the moment. Like, I peaked at 13 years old. That was it right there. That's why I didn't get any taller. Like, that was it. <laughs> okay? I peaked at 13 years old. I was like, absolutely, I will beat you in this pizza eating contest. And I took my dad on, and I'm proud to tell you today that I beat my dad in a pizza eating contest by one slice. Praise God. Slow clap. That's what I'm talking about. I won't tell you how many pieces it was, but I'll tell you it was over 20 pieces of pizza. True story. Pretty, pretty proud of it. I got a plaque on my wall, whole thing. Joey Chestnut coming after you. But here's the thing, in the moment I was like, yes, I won, I beat my dad. But like an hour or two later, not so much. Like your boy got sick, like your boy got sick, sick. And my dad was like, <laughs> ah, I love it, I love it. I, I got sick, right, I got super sick because that pizza did not settle well in my 13 year old belly. So a little bit of self-control could have kept me from that sickness. Just a little bit of self-control could have kept me from that. Let me challenge you today. Self-control is liberating, not limiting. Self-control is liberating, not limiting. It is liberating yourself from the normal expectation based off of the current situation. It's liberating you from a predictable outcome from your poor decisions. It is a predictable outcome. If you don't use self-control in your health, you end up in the hospital, right? We've got COVID that we're dealing with and all of the things, and it's, I know it's complicated, but I spoke with somebody in the medical profession, the medical community this week, and they told me a lot of the problem right now is that they over, oh, they're over double the amount of non-COVID sicknesses and injuries in a normal, from a normal season right now. And it's complicated matters because now you have COVID sickness and double the amount of patients that you normally would see. 
And so it's created, it's complicated this situation, but a little bit of self-control can help you keep out of that situation. Self-control liberates me from the predictable outcome of my decisions. I want you to get that. For instance, there is a challenge going on right now on TikTok called the crate challenge. Anybody know about this? Okay. Uh, If you don't know about it, let me just give you an example. Our team will help us out. Oh, my brother. Oh, oh, get it, bro. Oh, oh, don't get the shaky knees. No, 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 no. Come on, come on, come on. Stay up. Get your other leg up there. Get your other leg. Go, go. Oh, oh. Oh, man. This is what our hospitals have to deal with right now. Now, part of me was like, man, I want to look away. I just don't want to see because I know it's coming. But part of me kind of wants another one. Oh, no, not slow motion. Don't do it to him. Don't do it to him. Oh, my Lord. Oh, my goodness. That was terrible. Y'all want another one? <laughs> Look, the power of the beard. Come on. Go, bro. You got this. Look, barefooted. But Oh, oh, no. That man fell so hard, it rocked a camera. Like that's, it fell so hard. A little bit of self-control could liberate them from the decision that they made, right? A little bit of self-control. Now, I know that's a super funny example, but let me make it real for you. A little bit of self-control could liberate you from the, the, the poor decisions that you would make. A little bit of self-control can do that. And you see this come out and you, I wanna encourage you today, how, you, how do you activate self-control. Number one, you've got to make war against the sin in your life. You got to make war against the sin. Romans 8 and 13 says, if you live by its dictates, you will die. But if through the power of the spirit, you put to death the deeds of your sinful nature, you will live. Everybody say live, live. Amen. There are three words that can dramatically change your future. Three words. I want you to say them with me. Say, I Declare war. I declare war today. I declare war against the sin in my life. It can change a country, but it can change your world. It can change your life. What are we declaring war against? It's everything keeping you from living out the life that Jesus has for you. Everything. Let me remind you, in Galatians 5, these are the works of the flesh are evident. They're obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions. I I mean, this continues on. Envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the things like these. Church, let me just tell you, sin is still sin. Sin is still wrong, wrong is still wrong, and right is still right, but sin has been holding way too many God-loving Christians from their destiny because you're serving the wrong master. You're serving the wrong master. I wanna wake up every day deciding to choose violence against the enemy of my soul. I will not allow the flesh to win. I'm gonna pray warfare prayers, rebuking the devil from my life, inviting the Lord to challenge me and keep me... Let me tell you, it's your time to win, church. It's your time to win right now. But here's the thing. It's your time to win against your addictions. 
It's the time for you to win against your idolatry. It's the time for you to win against your jealousy, your bitterness, your hatred, the attitudes that are keeping you from your destiny. It's time for you to put aside your porn addiction. It's time for you to get aside from the bitterness that has ruled your heart and your relationships for time. It is time for you to win, but you've got to declare war. You've got to declare war. I will win. I will win. I will win. It is your time. The second thing that you've got to do is you've got to understand that you are your biggest problem when it comes to sin and lack of self-control. This is where, it, this, this is where the, the pastoral pilot, Pastor Monty, it's about to get a little bumpy. Are y'all, y'all ready? Y'all going with me? James 1, 13 through 15. Let no one say when he is tempted, I'm tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted with evil and he himself tempts no one. But each person is tempted when he was lured and enticed by his own desire, his own flesh. When you let the flesh begin to win the battle, when you feel weak in a moment and you're alone, you're like, well, this won't hurt anybody. Oh, it's just a little this and it's just a little that. Well, I just, the desire when it is conceived, gives birth to sin. The desire of your flesh cannot help but birth sin. And sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. No one can battle your flesh but you. No one. This is the only way. Let me help you in this. Let's make it real. Let's make it real practical. You need to discipline yourself so you will become more godly. Hebrews 12 and 11, for the moment of all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Church, we just got out of 21 days of prayer, and so many of you, I I heard stories from you. You came to me and said, Pastor Michael, this is the first time I've ever done 21 days of prayer in my life, and I'm so fired up, and I'm so proud of you. I just got to tell you as your pastor, I love you, and I'm so proud of you. Like, I just, I'm beaming with Holy Ghost pastoral proud. But what if we took 21 days of prayer and made it 365 days of prayer? What if we disciplined ourselves to wake up every day and decide, God, I'm going to give you my best, not only in August and not only in January, but in September and when I'm busy and in December when the holidays are going on and in July when I'm on vacation and and, and in May when my kids are graduating school. When I decide to discipline myself, it it just changes your perspective. But here's the thing, it requires self-control. It requires self-control to study rather than scroll. It it requires self-control to follow Jesus rather than watch your followers on Instagram. It requires self-control, but when you discipline yourself before the Lord and you say, God, I need the fruit of the Spirit to come out in me. I refuse for my flesh to win. I, will, I want this, this fruit of self-control to come out. It, inside of this, you are making a decision. I will not let my flesh win. Yeah, I'm, I'm so proud of you. Some of y'all fasted. You're like, Pastor Michael, I fasted sweets for 21 days. That's incredible because I know how much y'all love Dr. Pepper around here. Okay? 
You fasted 21 days. I, I, I'm telling you, it's incredible. That it requires self-control. But here's the thing. When you see that fruit activated, there's blessing attached to it. There's blessing attached to it. It changes your life. I got to hurry. Number, number three. Number three. Don't fight alone. Say that with me. Say, don't fight alone. In a New Zealand forest, researchers found something very unique. And they found a tree stump that was cut off, a tree that was cut off a stump that would not die. It would not die. And they were really questioning, how, how is this happening? They started digging in, into why this anomaly, anomaly was happening. But they, what they found was astounding. The roots of this tree had actually extended themselves beyond the normal reach of that tree and had intertwined the trees around, around it had took the roots, expanded out, and it intertwined its roots around the trees, around the stump. When the roots intertwined, they were able to share resources and nutrients, which were keeping the dead stump alive. Even when it looked like it was a dead situation, community kept it alive. Community kept it alive. Some of you right now have come into this house hurting, broken, going into the fall, not, not, know, not knowing how you're going to make it, not sure if your family's going to survive it. You're like a dead tree stump. You've been chopped off by the world. You're battling sin and you keep falling and failing. And you, you hear me preach, oh, Pastor Michael, oh, that's great. It's my time to win. But I don't know how. I don't know how to win. This is how. You surround yourself with people of community, spiritual fires. You surround yourself with trees. You surround yourself with trees. When you get chopped off by the circumstances of life, people are there to pick you up and share spiritual nutrients with you. They are there to lift you when nobody else is there. But when you are by yourself and you get chopped off, it's essentially you're in the middle of the desert and you can't help but wither. Community not only gives you connection, but it builds trust, spiritual confidence. It gives you accountability. Every one of us needs accountability. I'm so glad Pastor Monty's in the room because every week I get a text from that man right there. And he's letting me know, hey, how you doing, Bubba? What's going on in your life? Are you doing well? And there are some days I text him and I say, Pastor Monty, I'm not doing well. This week's terrible. Am I telling you the truth? Right? But I need, I need, I need strong trees around me. Because it provides nutrients, because he'll pick up the phone. He may be in the middle of a meeting and says, give me five minutes. And he picks up the phone and he'll talk on the phone with me for an hour until I'm good. And like, okay, I feel like I can make it again. It's the nutrients that are shared. Some of you need to step back into community. The reason you feel like, like a stump cut off is because you've isolated yourself. You've allowed social distancing to become a, a, a thing for your life. You've allowed your spiritual life to be socially distanced. What if we got back around trees again? What if we got connected? This is why, hey, church, this is why we focus so much on life groups. This is why I mention life groups in almost every sermon. That's why we do them in the fall and we do them in the spring and we do them in the summer. We give opportunities for people to lead life groups. We, this is why we focus on this so much because life groups is not something that we do. Life groups is something that we are. It's who we are as a church. Freedom groups, if you guys have never been through freedom, let me just tell you, it will change your life. It will change your life. You could come to this church, and, and I'm glad that you're here, but you can never listen to another sermon that I preach, but you could go through freedom, and you'll be better off that way. I'm telling you, freedom will impact your life in a way. It just, it's a, it, freedom people, am I telling the truth? Yeah. 
We've seen marriages healed, put back together. That's why we got so many babies. Huh? We've seen physical healings. We've seen addictions, just people getting freedom from addictions. My God, it changes people's lives. But it happens when people get in community and there are trees. I feel more comfortable in a forest than I do in a desert. Would you stand with me across the room today? We're coming out of 21 days of prayer. And I've been feeling this word all weekend. I told the people at 21 Days of Prayer yesterday, I've been feeling this one word all weekend, and I can't get away from it. It's this word breakthrough. This word breakthrough. Church, I feel like, I feel like vibrant church is on the precipice of something great spiritually. I'm not talking about attendance. Look around. There's attendance. That's, we're growing. God is doing amazing things. The church has doubled in the last five months. It's incredible. It's awesome. I love it. And we're going to continue growing and doing that. But I'm talking about something deep spiritual in your life. I feel like our church is on the precipice of something deep. But you know, it's kind of like sometimes you press through and you've been in a season of 21 days and you're pressing towards God. And now you're like, now what? This is what Philippians 3 says, I press on that I may lay hold of that which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. God, anybody know that God has something great for you? God wants better for you than you even want for yourself. But it always lies on the other side of a breakthrough. Brethren, I don't count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind Don't let your past rule your future. In reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press towards the goal for the the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. You know, there's an Old Testament. I didn't say this in first service, but I just feel the Lord wanted me to add this. In the the Old Testament, there's a a prophecy that's talked about the, the New Testament church. And it says, not by might or by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. These things will happen by my spirit. And that word spirit is actually tr- translated back in the, the Hebrew, that word ruach, ruach. And it really doesn't translate well into the English language, but it, it's, it's the word breath, but it's actually not the word breath. It's actually breath. It's actually whew. Sometimes for you to get the breakthrough that you need, that doesn't come by might, that doesn't come by your power, doesn't come by your abilities, by your talent, by your money, by your family, by your abilities. It comes by His Spirit. You've got to get close enough to feel the ruach. You've got to get close enough to feel the the breath of God on your life, the breath of God, just baptizing your life with breakthrough. How many of you, if you were honest in this room, if you're honest with, with God, You'd say, Lord, I need a breakthrough. I need something spiritual in my life. Let it be known by lifting your hands. Come on, come on, that's beautiful. You need need something that only God can provide. That's beautiful, I see those hands. That's awesome. 
what I want you to do is everybody across the room, I want you to close your eyes and I want you to lift, our, lift your hands together. And what we're gonna do is we're gonna press a little bit into his presence because I know that in his presence, there's a fullness of joy. In the presence, there's a victory. In his presence, there's healing. In his presence, there's deliverance. In his presence, there's a breakthrough. And your victory is on the other side of your breakthrough. And so right now, church, we're gonna take a little moment and we're gonna break through to his presence. What I want you to do is I want you to begin to invite yourself into God's presence. Lord, I want more of you. I need more of you, God. I refuse for my flesh to win. Today, I press into your presence. I need healing, God. I press into the ruach of your presence close enough that I could feel the wind of God, close enough that I could feel your breath, God. I could feel your breath breathing on me, your spirit raining down. I need you, Jesus. Come on, church. We're a church that knows how to pray out loud. Let's begin to speak it out loud. Lord Jesus, we need your presence. I need